Thank you. Thank you. Welcome to the second episode of URT Number the Amazing Race 32 Recaps from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Armstone, and joining me as always is the Canadian who has sad trombone music playing wherever he goes, Logan Saunders. Good afternoon. And the lady whose children sleep in an underground bunker every night, Michelle Pierce Denovan. Good morning. Good morning. I love how anyone who's never listened to our podcast before is probably wondering why I constantly claim you hate your children. And it's probably because you do. Well, yeah, these these things, you know, it's been years and you're like a broken record and it will never go away. I feel like we, every season, have to just explain why Michelle hates the children. Oh my God, shut up. <laughs> just for new people. Basically, Michelle said that if she ever went back on Australian Survivor, she wouldn't get emotional if she saw her children, because she's there to play a game. Jeez oh, Louise. Why are we always like the Truman Show in all of our introductions? Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. <laughs> good night. We need a fourth. <laughs> yeah, because, because to be fair, we're pretty much eight hours apart at the moment, so it actually is morning, evening, and night for, for one of us each. But Michael, you never actually say good evening. I know, that's because I like to leave it not time-sensitive. <laughs> It could be any time of the day, even th- even though, let's be honest, it releases at nine o'clock on a Sunday night for me. Oh, God. I could genuinely say good evening, but I'm not going to. Come on. Go and, on. Uh, <laughs> you guys get nothing from me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, nothing. You're no fun. Yeah, you should be used to that by now. <laughs> so previously, 11 brand new teams set off on a race around the world. In Trinidad, teams raced to get good flights to Tobago, but once they landed, Kelly and Levon stumbled at a fish challenge while Gary was out of time at the roadblock. Michelle was in tune, but it was Hung and Chi who won the leg and were first to find out that they would keep on racing to Colombia. However, Nathan and Cody came in last and were left behind. It sounds like a very male-dominant society, especially when they call their country Trinidad and Tobago. Why not Trin- Trinamom and Tobago or Trinamom and Trinidad? Why is it always about dads? How does your brain come up with stuff like this? I genuinely have no idea. As you guys well know, I'm editing another season at the moment that we're going to talk about not on this episode. And genuinely, some of the jokes Logan tells, I'm like, what? Where did that come from? Like, which what's, what's one that comes to mind, Michael? There's just some really random comments where I'm just like, yeah, I'm taking that out because it's just weird. I didn't know you did that. Sorry, I didn't yeah. know you, you censored Logan. <laughs> Not just Logan, anything stupid you say as well, I take out. No, you keep everything in. You keep everything it's in. It's all gold. <laughs> well, yeah, everything Michelle says is gold. Logan's is kind of bronze oh. at best. <laughs> oh. Maybe copper plated tin, if I'm being reasonable. But you can't turn over the lids because they're because <laughs> they're, they're they're the silver and bronze are the same are the same yogurt lid. Also, Michelle, there is a um, a clip that I don't think I sent you that I've taken from one of the episodes I've been editing this week that is probably the most unintentionally inappropriate thing Logan has ever said. It is delightful, and wow. spoilers will be making an appearance when I next do a face cream clip because it just makes me laugh so hard. Oh, jeez. So I don't just bully you. I'm an equal opportunities arsehole. That's that's they're very correct. 
So we begin with Hung and Chi actually leaving the Baku Integrated Facility, and for the first time all season, Chi speaks. Because I think we only had one line out of him last week, which was, thanks mom and dad for uh, giving me piano lessons. I don't oh, actually yeah. think we heard him speak last week. He's a very, uh, very humble, humble dude. Yeah, we saw far more of Hung than we did of Chi last week. And I think it's still the same ratio roughly this week too. And Kelly and Levon say in their cab that they have a target because they are Olympians. And much to my irritation after speculating it last week, the keep on racing leg was completely and utterly irrelevant because they're all on the same flight. And we don't get any departure times. Both of Michael's pet peeves hit are hit in the first two minutes. Two, two of three, they could have not given us a full intro. They did give us a full intro, which I was very surprised about. Yes, it was good. It does usually mean they've got absolutely no content in the leg if they do that, but not in this case, surprisingly. We get a full intro, and once again, we get three tasks in a 10-team episode. And we also see Phil introduce Bogota and tell us what the elevation of Bogota is, which is 8,660 feet. And he says that the thin air could push some teams to breaking point, which, of course, it doesn't. It's pointless to the leg. They don't need to keep that in. I wonder if it would affect me, like, having mild asthma. Probably not. And the fact you live below sea level, Michelle? <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know. Where You've been to places with high altitude. Has it affected you, Logan? I don't think I've... Have I been anywhere that's super high in elevation? I'm trying to think. I want to know what the elevation of Medellin is, because I'm thinking it's got to be comparable to Colombia or to Bogota. Mm. Yeah, Bogota's or Medellin's elevation is... 1500 meters. Medellin is 5,000 feet, so that's just over half of Bogota's elevation. That might be one of the, top, the highest places I've been, or oh no, I guess I did go to that mountain in Malaysia. I don't know, I haven't noticed it too much, but I also haven't been anywhere that's really high up. What was the elevation of the place where your husband um, chucked a wallaby off a mountain uh, using a golf cart, Michelle? <laughs> I think we were only... Oh, God, maybe another 200 metres above sea level. <laughs> that was Tassie, wasn't it? Tassie? No, it was up in Queensland on an island. I don't know why I had it in, in my head that it was Tasmania. That's Michelle's um, proposal story in case anyone's never heard our hunted recaps. jeez. Oh, Her husband yes. proposed on top of a mountain. It's, I love this story, Michelle. I don't know why you, you're <laughs> sighing at me. Her husband proposed <laughs> at the top of a mountain in Queensland, and literally as he did, the heavens opened, they ran back to the golf cart, and Wallaby got maybe careened off the mountain by the golf cart. Yes. Well, it flew, actually. Yeah, it's the most Australian story in history. <laughs> <laughs> so I just looked up other, like, really high-up Mason Race locations, and when they went to Cusco in Season 7, that was over 11,000 feet. So I think that's a bit more significant. <laughs> I think that's where it really affects you. I think La Paz is the highest place they've actually been. Yeah, that was just a, that was a little over 11,000 as well. I checked La Paz as well. And what's that place in China? Guilin or Li Zhang, which I think sounds like a Mortal Kombat character. La Paz is the um, the highest capital city in the world. Yeah, Li Zhang is roughly 8,000 feet. But that was a lot more running, though, in that episode, in the in Unfinished Business when they were around Li Zhang, China. Yeah, La Paz is the highest in elevation in the world, and Kingston is the highest generally. Mm. Jesus Christ. 
<laughs> I think that's not that one past Michelle. Um, and given that... You did, you did. <laughs> he shoots, he scores. I'm still waking up. I'm still waking up. <laughs> and given that we see a plane with the United livery, I have a suspicion that they may have changed in Miami in this episode. It may have been one of the rare trips back into the US to then come out of the US. What? Why? I'm guessing there's not too many direct flights from Port of Spain to Bogota. Yeah, I did have a quick Google on the routes you can take. Most of them are like 22 hours. My lord. It's not that far. Yeah, it's not that far. There's just no direct flights. They've got to change back in the US normally. There's just not a big enough demand one way or the other. Hmm. And as I mentioned, we do get a full intro, and yet again they land at night, and the clue box is at the airport. They must now travel to Mina del Sal, the Nemecon salt mine. Once there, they have to search the mine for an hourglass, either 10 or 20 minutes, and then sign up for a departure time at the entrance, either 6am or 6.30. Would you have kept looking for the 20-minute hourglass? It depends. Depends on your strategy. Because is 10 minutes really going to make a difference? I would argue probably not. But is leaving in the first group going to make a difference? Yeah. Mm. There's a 30-minute advantage leaving in the first group as opposed to your little 10-minute hourglass. Yeah. A 30 minute advantage on five teams as opposed to a 10 minute advantage on one team. And that's if you know they are behind you when you use it. And the hourglasses will be used for a yield later in the leg. And surprisingly, teams are actually made aware of this. I'm surprised there wasn't a stronger reaction to they're bringing back a twist from season 11. Why why weren't they as shocked? I wonder if they read in the rule book beforehand. Oh yeah, there looks like they're hinting that there's yields because they're talking about the yield rules in the rule book before we go out. Aren't they all sat down in a conference room a few days before the start of the race and and have the rules read to them? I wonder whether they mentioned the the yield rules in there and then everyone's like, hmm, keep an eye out for yields, guys. I would assume so. Otherwise it'd be like, what? Yeah, unless they do the yield rules every time just to, you know, keep people on the toes a little bit. Uh, yeah, it didn't pan out the first 21 times that the yield rules were explained to them, but we really got them on the 22nd. So they put 11 years into faking people out. Nope, not happening yet. Nope, we just wasted time explaining yield rules to you for half an hour, but 11 years later, we gotcha. So Hung and Chi are the first to arrive with a partner and Ishwa in second, and Hung and Chi also find a dog on the way in. What's with what's with uh, Hung finding dogs? This is the second leg in a row where they specifically point out her hanging out with a dog. Maybe she just really likes dogs. Mm. And they decide to grab the first hourglass that they find, which is a 10-minute one. Gary and D'Angelo see a 10-minute one and decide to leave it. And then James and Will find a 20-minute one, as do Gary and D'Angelo and Riley and Madison. And then everyone just kind of grabs an hourglass and checks in. So it's Hung and Chi who checking in first with a 10-minute hourglass, then James and Will with 20, Riley and Madison with 20, Gary and D'Angelo with 20, Aparna and Ishwa with 10, they're all on the 6am departure, and then Leo and Alana and Kelly and Levon both have 10-minute hourglasses, Kaylin and Haley and Michelle and Vic have 20-minute ones, and then Jerry and Frank have a 10-minute one, and they all leave at 6.30. And we don't even get to see Jerry and Frank pick anything up. I was picking that up on the episode two where they had an initial confessional at the start of the episode that was personal. I'm thinking, hmm, they're probably going to be eliminated. But then we didn't see them again. And then I thought, okay, I guess they're not eliminated this episode. But they sure as hell aren't going to win now. Yeah, spoilers, they are my pick for next week's elimination. I really strongly suspect they're probably going next week. Well, that's how they do the second or third eliminations, right? They give them little to no airtime. 
for the first episode or two, especially for the second team eliminated. They'll get zero airtime in the first episode and then just pile it on in the second episode when they're eliminated and then we never hear from them again. The Anthony and Stephanie strategy. <laughs> and they all get a really exotic uh, sleeping arrangement as they get to sleep in a mine bunker. Didn't they sleep underground in season 28 in Colombia, or is that where did they wait to do that till they got to France when they forced them all to sleep uh, underground? Because they all they had a very similar thing in season 28 where they all had to sleep in the in a cave together. And I'm thinking, did they just use a different Colombian cave? But now I'm thinking about, I think that might have been in Europe because they had the Cartagena leg. Maybe that's the safest place for them to uh, to sleep in Colombia. It's just underground underground away from everybody <laughs> or or they they usually they actually do that a lot on the second leg now or when they have 10 teams because they did that in season 28 forced everybody to sleep in the same room together uh they definitely did that during season 30 because they did that in uh they didn't show up but they did that in antwerp when they what was it, a random cafe it was the chocolate cafe in in antwerp yeah and then season 26 they had the infamous uh, uh infamous hotel in the beginning so maybe it's just the easiest cheapest way for production to go is we don't want to spend money on 10 separate hotel rooms for all the teams let's just put them all in a cave for six hours and we're good apparently there wasn't much sleep because d'angelo snored yeah so once teams depart in the morning they have to head on foot to templo parochial san francisco de assis and climb the bell tower to either collect a golden raft or an emerald and they then have to head back to Bogota, where teams with an emerald must deliver it to a gemstone dealer, while teams with a raft must deliver it to an archaeology professor. And both are essentially in the same location. And we get one of the rare early bird alliances in Amazing Race history. Yes, I wrote that too, but that's really early for an alliance. That's what I wrote down. Yeah, but it still doesn't work. That's the fun of it. <laughs> yeah. Like James and Will try and form the 6am alliance and nobody really helps each other anyway, but quite a lot of these teams are ones who James and Will have a friendship with anyway. Like you have Aparna and Ishwar, who I think they have a friendship with, and also then you have later on Leo and Alana and Kaylin and Haley, who they definitely have a friendship with. And then Riley and Madison saved them for figuring out where the location was for the gold slash emerald task. Yeah. Hey. 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 Hung and she only have one backpack. Yes. One backpack. I don't understand what all the clothes are. This was apparently explained in a secret scene where they basically said that there was absolutely no point in them having two backpacks and Hung having to carry one. So they just fit everything into one backpack and had Chi carry it. It's not that large. Maybe they can pack light. To be honest... If you were going on the race, you'd probably pack minimal anyway, because you're going to stink by the end of it regardless. That's nice. <laughs> well, it's true. You're not going to care that much by the end of 21 days, are you? Usually that goes away from what I've heard by the second or third day. <laughs> Maybe that's me just kind of channeling my inner backpacker, but I think by that point you just don't care. I'd care. I think I'd care. I'd care a little bit. Michelle, you got to final four on a season of Survivor. You shouldn't care. <laughs> who has uh, i think mark and bill had the record for the lightest uh backpacks i'm this might well maybe per person ratio this this may win out i feel like one other team did just one backpack 
couldn't think who off the top of my head, but Mark and Bill have quite legendarily had a very light backpacks. The Bacon and Tory spelling. Do one backpack? Who? Who? <laughs> no, they didn't. Because <laughs> I know they packed light. Well, Bacon! Packed light. Really Who? light. Bacon. Bacon <laughs> packed really light. <laughs> I'm honestly just going to who him every time you mention him, so... <laughs> no, you don't have to who him if he says bacon. No, I don't. I have. I do have to dub over with um, with bacon and Tory spelling though every time you do it. So please don't do it. I haven't had bacon in so long. I want bacon <laughs> <So> now. <random. laughs> I want bacon, Michelle. Oh, I could dear. so take that out of context, <laughs> especially after, yeah, don't after do the that. previous don't do that. ten seconds of conversation. <laughs> Me saying, uh, I'll have to dub it over with bacon and Tory spelling, and you just go, I haven't had bacon in so long. <laughs> it's like, is there a well, scandal brewing here? It's funny that on, because we do this, and it, a lot of, it, it's been the weekend every time, because that's when I can do it. And weekends are when you have like bacon and eggs, and I haven't had it for so long. Why is uh, some putting you on a diet? No, never. I'm never on a diet, um, but I didn't buy bacon when I went shopping, and I should have bought bacon. <sighs> anyway, anyway, Riley and Madison, Kaylin and Haley, Jerry and Frank, Kelly and Lavon, and Michelle and Vic are the ones to grab the golden rafts. And Hung and Chi, Apana and Ishwal, Gary and D'Angelo, Leo and Alana, and James and Will grab the emerald. And because this is Columbia, there are of course Mart taxis outside the mine. I'm um I'm loving Phil's accent or intonation of Spanish words. He's really putting in the effort. Yeah, I must admit, when I saw the root marker at the church, I'm like, oh, God, I've got to say that, haven't I? <laughs> you don't say it as well as Phil does. No, and I'm not going to try and impersonate him in a Kiwi accent. I'm sorry. He's not doing it in a Kiwi accent anymore. I don't think he's even lived in New Zealand for about 25 years now. Doesn't he have a house in New Zealand? He does visit. Well, when you can. I think he does split his time between New Zealand and LA. I don't know how frequently, though. I mean, he's quite the... He's, he always has a lot of projects going on. He probably gets there once a year, I bet. Some good, some tough as nails. People made jokes about how this was a really good detour to make teams pick between gold and emerald this leg. See, I would have liked with this challenge if they'd have actually been in different locations. It wasn't difficult enough for me, I'm sorry. Even though it was a two-hour cab ride in terrible traffic, I feel like they should have tried to separate teams a little bit. But they didn't. <laughs> yeah, like, they can't have the line say, oh, well, I'm going to go drop off my gold, and you go drop off your emerald, and then we'll meet back here in five minutes. And um, the one note I have when they arrive at the um, the location where they're dropping things off is, did you spot what Hung said to her um, her taxi driver? No, I didn't. No? It was Hung Chi Returno. Returno? Yeah. That's not a word, is it? <laughs> no. Just add an O on the end? Returno. In a leg where we see at least two races <laughs> demonstrate genuinely very good Spanish. I think it was Lavon who was um, who was the main proponent of very good Spanish in this leg. Returno is not a good Spanish word. I'm sorry, Hung. As much as I love you, it's not Spanish. <laughs> well, actually, uh, Chi said esperde, which means wait. <laughs> I think that's really all you need to say to the driver is esperde, esperde. Especially when we discussed last week how James and Will um, revised words in certain languages to make sure that they um, 
they could communicate with taxi drivers. The word returno is not a good one. No. However funny it was. And I also love how the Emerald Brokers are crowded around emeralds on some rice paper like it's cocaine. Well, the rice paper, the rice paper's good. Yeah, they were kind of huddled in a circle over some rice paper with some rocks on it. It genuinely looked like they were smuggling drugs. (laughs) Well, it is Colombia. Well, yeah, that's what I thought. I wonder if they avoided Medellin, because I know in Medellin they really, really hate any references to Pablo Escobar and the drug trade. So I wonder if that's part of the reason, even though Medellin's the best city to go to in Colombia, if that's the reason why they've avoided it on both visits now. Yeah, because when Vidim went there, they didn't do any Pablo Escobar-themed things, did they? No. Well, I mean, I've heard stories. Well, when I did the Pablo Escobar tour, they said, it's super controversial to even have that tour operating. Like, if you do even a walking tour of Medellin, they they have to use an alternate name for Pablo Escobar because if there's just locals walking by and they hear his name, they instantly get really pissed off. Yeah, it's it's you don't you don't mention his name because they're all really sick and tired of all the jokes. I remember in season twenty eight on the Facebook pages when people would make Pablo Escobar references, even though they went to Cartagena, you did see the Colombian users go on there and say, we are more than that. Please knock it off. <laughs> hmm. And Hung and Chi miss the brokers, allowing Riley and Madison to leave in first, and the professor fakes them out by saying the raft is fake, but their clue is real. Yeah, this is a knockoff. I'm calling the cops. <laughs> what would have been brilliant is if they'd have had to pick the correct one and had to go all the way back to the uh, the church. That's what I would have done. Or they could have really taken faking them out to the next level is when they say, oh, this is a fake, and then have them arrested. And once they throw them in the cell, they're like, here's your next clue. It'd be like one of those um, those places you're forced to go to if you go to China where you have to um, go to a jade shop and um, learn how, how to tell the difference between real and fake jade. True story from when I went to Beijing. So how can you tell the difference? Tell us, Michael. The fake one looks like plastic, because it is. And it's genuinely nothing more than that. The fake jade looks like green plastic, probably because it is. But does it feel like plastic? Yeah. If you're just looking at you can tell the difference between real and fake jade without without much effort, because fake jade looks like plastic. But do you need to have them side by side? What if you just had some fake jade with some other stone? Could you tell the difference? Yeah, because fake jade also is a lot lighter than normal jade. Normal jade is very kind of dark green. Mm, interesting. See, going to China did teach me one thing. When I was in Italy, we got duped <laughs> with a fake two euro coin <laughs> that we could not use anywhere. Or, well, it was my friend's uh, two euro coin because we went to a shop and the guy's like, this is very obviously a fake two euro coin that somebody gave you as change at another shop. Because he showed the two and he's like, See how they are nothing alike and how the, the fake one is way heavier than the real one? Because <laughs> he dropped them both at the same time. It's like, yeah, there's definitely a weight difference. <laughs> wow. So, teams must now travel to Escuela Nacional uh, Cerco para Todas and search for the next clue. And this is also the site of the first yield that will appear on the season. And it's Hung and Chi who leave in second with Gary and D'Angelo in third. Um, I had to say that during this episode, I don't know, but maybe because I, I talked about the Amazing Race bum bag, or they call it fanny pack, um, but I just I'm seeing it all the time during this episode. I don't know why. It's just 
it's like a beacon for me. I really want one and they don't make them anymore. And apparently um, our friend Joey, no, not Joey, Kavino, yeah, Kavino, said um, – You can call him they, Joey. We just refer to him as Kavino because he <laughs> refers to us as our surnames. I thought we were talking about Joey of Evie yes. and Joey. No. Joey, oh, well, I'll say Kavino, um, said that he had his bum bag taken off him when he finished the race. He didn't get to keep it. That's probably because he's just a security risk generally. It's an interesting fact. They just didn't want him selling anything on. And Riley and Madison's taxi driver goes AWOL. And Kaylin and Haley's driver gets lost and can't turn around because it's a one-way street. Kelly and LaVon get a driver who gives them a phone, but it's dead because he lent the charger to another driver. You know what year this was filmed. This is definitely not the early days of Amazing Race where a taxi driver having a charger makes or breaks you. <laughs> and it's Apana and Ishwa who live in fourth with James and Will in fifth and Michelle and Vic in sixth. Do you think they were able to design which was closer, the gold or the emerald? Or do you think they had to be slight? Like, I would think delivering the gold would be tougher because you have to walk into the building and up all those stairs. Yeah, I think gold was slightly tougher, but they're both in the same location. It's not actually that much different. And I think they got more instruction for the gold than they did for the emerald. Because emerald, you have to go up to random groups of people. Emerald, they just got told to deliver it to a uh, an emerald dealer, whereas gold, they got told to deliver it to a particular room. They lucked out that there wasn't a, a second emerald dealer who was a real emerald dealer who was operating at the same time. And Leo asks if anyone wants his emerald, and they live in seventh, with Jerry and Frank in eighth, Kelly and Levon in ninth, and Kaylin and Haley in last. And Gary and D'Angelo and Hung and G both choose not to yield. And then it is the roadblock, which is who feels like clowning around. And in this roadblock, one team member must join the circus, attempting the wheel of death and walking a tightrope with wine glasses and a wine bottle. And it is D'Angelo, Hung, Riley, Will, Aparna, Victoria, Alana, Frank, Haley, and Lavon doing the roadblock. The wheel of death just seems like a regular wheel you can spin into me. There's nothing deadly about it. It's not like as deadly as being dragged by a by a goat. Or with flames coming out of it, or spikes. It's not a fair factor challenge, Logan. All they have to do is just get spun a few times, and it's like, okay, you're done spinning. That was the wheel of death. <laughs> the only reason that they do that is to then make it way harder for them when they're walking the tightrope. Yes. Yeah, they'll be a little bit dizzy. But they didn't spin it. They could have spun the wheel faster and for a longer period of time, or done more abrupt turns while spinning the wheel. They could have dropped them off the cheese hill in Switzerland. Could you imagine that? <laughs> Just be like, one, two, three. That would have been a health and safety nightmare. Off you go, down the mountain. <laughs> I just picture the cartoon of the of just going down the entire Swiss Alps. <laughs> <laughs> But first, of course, before doing any of that, they need makeup. And D'Angelo has the title when he says that red lipstick is not his colour. They all really need to borrow Travis's makeup from season 23. What I love is the fact that some people get a lot more heavily made up than others. Like Will, yes. Will is very heavily made up, and most of them don't wipe it off before they go to the next challenge, which is brilliant. I know! Like when they're all getting angry in the cab, it's like, I can't take you seriously when you're mad because you look like Minnie Mouse right now. 
<laughs> and Hung goes, Hung goes a, a step further because she doesn't even take the costume off. She just runs around in the costume. I know that's funny. That's funny. Like, because I obviously they're not going to use any of the costumes that they have for the people unless the I'm 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 assuming they would have kept the whirling dervish stuff that the Aussies used, but. But there's not going to be a use for it. So really, if they want to take it, they should. But you know what? She doesn't have a lot of luggage. She doesn't have many clothes. Maybe she needs it. (laughs) I'm just really, really hoping that we end up seeing Hung's clown outfit again a few times during the season. Yeah, her one and her other outfits get ruined. Oh, I really need a change of clothes for this leg. Just every reality fan forum sighting of Hung from now on is just her dressed as a clown. <laughs> and let's be honest, this sort of a challenge we can't really do anything with. There's not a lot of stuff that happens. Alana drops a bottle, that's about it. James and Will get into an argument about James being weak and Will doing both roadblocks so far. That's about it. I learned the circus music once. One of the songs, like the Can Can song that they did in the middle, I've learned that on the piano. There you go, there's something you can add. Thanks. I like how there was a person on Twitter who was really pissed off that they used the most stereotypical beach song Deo for the drumming task, and then this week we get the most stereotypical circus music. It's like straight out of the Acro the Acrobats soundtrack for the Super Nintendo games. My absolute favorite thing about this entire challenge is just that Alana gets sad trombone music whenever she drops anything. Yeah. <laughs> why didn't Haley and, and why didn't they yield? They knew they were right at the back. They should have done it. I don't know because they had a 20 minute yield as well. In reality, it wouldn't probably have made that much of a difference because everyone would have been struggling. It took them far longer than 20 minutes to do the final challenge. So let's be honest, Kelly and Levon still would have left at the same time regardless. They would have just been way more pissed off at Kaylin and Haley for using the yield on them. I don't know why D'Angelo was so upset about being in makeup and costumes since he does cosplays all the time. Yeah, but he wears a mask, so... Um... Is it always the same thing he cosplays as? Because you think, you think there's got to be one time where he's wearing makeup. The only one we've seen him in so far is the Predator costume that I am led to believe he wore for Halloween in 2016 as well, and that is a mask, so... I'm going to assume that he probably just deliberately chooses masks so he doesn't have to do any uh, any makeup or anything. And then he hates the circus. I hate you now. I really do. I really hate you. I'm surprised he didn't push anybody off the tightrope when they gave him that second wine bottle. See, the problem with this sort of a challenge for me is the fact that it's very linear. No one's really going to be able to overtake anyone. And no one really does overtake anyone. Well, of course it's linear. It's a tightrope and they all have to walk in the one direction the whole time. Yeah, but there's only two stations. In a 10-team leg, there are only two stations for the roadblock, and everyone basically appears in in order and leaves in order. Is there any swapping of the order? Not even for Alana? Yeah, you're right. Jerry and Frank and and Leo and Alana swap, and that is it. Yeah, I was thinking there was one swap. (laughs) But eight of the 10 teams leave in the same position they started with, and that's not a good roadblock for me. No. Maybe that's why they threw in this trucking task. Talking of the trucking task, teams have to find Carrera 26 hash 10 hyphen 03 to search their next clue where they have to customize a volcator a truck when the customizer is happy with their work they will receive their next clue and also they have to connect the horn and they have to drive it to the pit stop too 
Yep, and for once they actually mention this in the clue because usually they don't give them any hints. And as I said, it's a deliberate trick challenge because the horn's disconnected. And Will's reaction whenever he sees the challenge is, yay, arts and crafts. <laughs> and Hunk's hand is very bandaged. She's a bit insecure about her height normally, but it's an advantage that she can stand underneath the wheel arch and attach the thing she needs to do in this challenge. Why is it bandaged? I don't know. I just noticed this. Her hand is really bandaged when she's under the wheel. What could she have done to it? They haven't done anything. Well, dangerous-ish. I didn't spot it during the clown challenge, but it could very well be the case that she had it bandaged after the goat pretty much pulled it out of its socket last week. (laughs) However, Hung and Chi get a no bueno in their first attempt. And Vic is happy to see anything automotive because she works in hashtag car sales, hashtag BMW. And Hung is the first person to spot the hook up the horn part of the clue, and they leave in first. And teams must now find Parquet National, the pit stop for this leg of the race, the last team to check in, may be eliminated. In English, that means National Park. Thank you, Logan, for translating. And we also see the greeter do a backflip with a football. How good is he? And then D'Angelo did it too. But he didn't have the football. No, he was just showing off that he can do a backflip. The greeter can do a backflip whilst also keeping a football between his legs. I'm surprised after D'Angelo did the backflip that Phil didn't jump in and say, do do you want a cookie or something for that? (laughs) Do you want a treat? (laughs) Or Phil be like, I can do it too. (laughs) And they're all just doing backflips. Hung's just (laughs) off to the side like, I did it last week when a goat pulled me. (laughs) (laughs) I landed on my head though, so I'm not going to try again anytime soon. And it is Gary and D'Angelo who leave in second. And then Hung and Chi checking in first. They win a leg again, and this time they win a trip to Switzerland. They won something. They did. I'm, I'm very happy for them. However, did you see the rumour online that this was a keep on racing leg? Yes, I did. Yes. Did you know that that is utter horseshit? It is not a keep on racing leg. I've checked. <laughs> Why do they say stuff just for the sake of saying it? Well, there's a picture of Phil holding Caitlin and Haley's clue, or a clue a clue envelope he was holding up. Yeah, but it's not a keep on racing leg. I have checked with my sources that this was not a keep on racing leg. It is utter horseshit spread to try and get likes on Reddit. And it irritated mm. me. Because I saw it, then Justin got tagged to, with someone going, this is something to bring up on Racer's Recap, and I just chatted Justin going, I've double-checked, it wasn't. Spoilers for tomorrow's races recap. And Gary and D'Angelo check in in second. And then Riley and Madison and James and Will get no buenos as well. James asks to see the route info. Will says it's in his bag and he doesn't need to see it. <laughs> and I'm saying this because I know Michelle's about to erupt. Well, yes. Like, seriously. Like, James is a super fan. He says, let's check the clue. And Will says no. Now, you don't... Why did James just listen to him, for one thing? Why didn't he just look at the clue again? I wonder how long it was between that conversation and when they actually did. I'd like to know. Um, But seriously, come on, James, read the clue. You know this. You know this. I know you'd be killing yourself about it, but you know it. Listeners, I've waited 16 months to hear Michelle go, seriously? (laughs) And why? (laughs) Really? Really? 
Why? <laughs> Why? It's funny that in their cast assessment that the attributes that we had assigned to James actually more applied to Will out of the two. Because Will said, are you ever going to do a roadblock? He's already the one that's fuming. And then, oh, I want to just look at the clue one more time. We don't need to read the clue. So it's Will that's more prone to these little breakdown episodes. And then uh, James is the first person I've ever seen in my life to do, you know, how people online, when they try to get a point across, they put a clap emoji after each individual word. James is the first person I've ever seen to talk like that in real life. It's no longer Will and James, it's Will and James. <laughs> it's, his, it's an emphasis for him. Spoilers, James doing that is Aldana this week, and James just looking incredulous at Will because it made me laugh so hard. <laughs> Read the clue. <laughs> you know something else that happened during that that was a little bit silly? When you discover what you've done wrong, so it wasn't, I don't think it was those two, but it was a couple of the other teams, they yell out, oh, we're supposed to do the horn. No, you don't yell out. You say it so quietly so that you don't alert the other teams. It was Will who did that. Is Will the mole? <laughs> he didn't do it as loud as, was it um, the girls? Yeah, so Will does say quite loudly to James, oh, we had to do the horn, which then lets everyone else know about it. But then it's Leon and Lana telling Kaylin and Haley that they need to hook the horn up. Then Kelly and Levon manage to read their lips and see what they said. And then I think they shout it to uh, Jerry and Frank. Alana said it quite loudly as well. No, I think it was reading the lips that um, that got Kelly and Levon to find out about the horn. No! When yes! she first found out to do it, she went, she said it quite loudly. Not when they were telling the others before that. That wasn't what tips everyone else off, though. No, I'm just, I'm just saying it as an aside. Be quiet. Don't say things loudly. Okay, sorry. I accept. <laughs> of the final nine, only two teams have had the same person do both roadblocks so far as well. One is Will and James, the other is Jerry and Frank. Jerry's going to have to do some roadblocks soon. Mm. And you said that LaVon and Kelly passed on what to do to Jerry and Frank? I think so, yeah. So they essentially screwed themselves over out of the race. Yeah. And Pano and Ishwa and Michelle and Vic hook up the horn straight away. Riley and Madison leave in third, with Pano and Ishwa in fourth on their first try, and Michelle and Vic fifth. And now James and Will freak out. Because James freaks out, and I have to say, it's so hard to take Will seriously when he looks so ridiculous. Oh, when he's got the makeup on, yeah. Yeah, okay. he, he looks so ridiculous <laughs> thanks to the clown makeup. Well, after all of this, they can, luckily, it'll be really quick to recover from it because when they kiss and make up, Will is already halfway there. That is true, yeah. And James has one of the quotes of the episode when he says, I'm going to be so livid if it's those flops. However, the quote of the episode and the one that I have clipped because it is so ridiculous out of context is Alana talking to the judge when she says, my bueno sexy, no? <laughs> but no. It's so so funny when Alana just kind of slightly flirts with the judge let's be honest and just goes, sexy no? 
And she flirts with the truck too, calling it a sexy truck. Maybe that was Claudia. Maybe, yeah. And talking to Claudia, James and Will finally spot the horn clue. They are so loud that Leon and Alana hook theirs up too. However, they don't hook up the bunting at the back of the truck. And James and Will leave in sixth. James cries and is annoyed with himself. And then Leo and Alana get rejected for missing the trim on the back of their truck. Um, I don't understand how they could have missed the bunting because they've got a box full of stuff. And where was that piece? Like, why? You have to attach every piece. So did that piece fall under the truck? Like, where did it go? Did they just think, oh, we don't need to add this? I don't, I don't understand. I wonder if they just kind of added it as a second row of bunting to, to one of the bits of the truck and were like, oh, we shouldn't have done that. Why or maybe inside uh, or something. Yeah, I'd like to know why. Questions that will never get answered. And then we get a rapid fire set of check-ins with Riley and Madison checking in in third, Aparna and Ishwar in fourth, and Michelle and Vic in fifth. And then everyone else keeps getting rejected and frustrated. James and Will checking in sixth and actually have a match out this week, and they said they forgot to read the stinking clue. And then Leo and Alana leave in seventh. Finally, sorry for wasting all your time. And then they help Kaylin and Haley, as they are nice and fun. However, Kelly spots Leo and Alana telling them and shouts it, letting Jerry and Frank hear. What an absolute mess. No advantage was particularly gained. And then Kaylin and Haley leave in eighth, Jerry and Frank in ninth, and Kelly and Lavon in last. And then essentially they just check in in the same order. Uh, Leon Alana checking in seventh, he's wearing the bow tie from the clown task. Kaylin and Haley checking in eighth, they owe Leo and Alana their lives. Jerry and Frank checking in ninth, and then Kelly and Lavon checking in tenth, they're eliminated, and they even hugged like four times. Four hugs and 20 years ago. So next week, in the first trip to the Amazon, there is a double U-turn, a confusing market, a missing machete, frustration, and tears. So does that mean, do we know for sure if it's going to be a detour next leg? I think it's kind of got to be, unless there is a twist to the U-turn we don't know about yet. There kind of has to be a detour next week, other than emerald or gold. And they'll get to keep their yield hourglasses for a future leg because Phil makes it sound like there's going to be a lot of times to yield another team. Yeah, I'm wondering how many they're going to put in because I can't see it being more than about three. Yeah, because he makes it quite clear saying, this is the first opportunity to use the yield. And I'm thinking, well, if you wouldn't emphasize it that much if there's just two, so it's got to be three, maybe four but they're doing u-turns as well so you think oh there's gotta be more than one u-turn if there's one appearing by leg three so maybe that's just the way they're gonna go is have teams more competitive and aggressive towards each other by having you know two u-turns and three yields i kind of like how even though this yield was utterly pointless and didn't get used they still had to put it in because if the yield gets used later in the season, they've got to show how they got the hourglasses and where those came from to make it relevant. Otherwise, they're going to get so many questions at, in like, like 7 or 8 or 10 or whatever. Yeah, so obviously it does get used. Yeah, it kind of has to be used if they put in the find the hourglass bit of the episode. wonder if it's going to be overload if they do, let's say, head-to-heads this season and then keep up with... Uh... Do partner swap, must vote, must vote U-turns. <laughs> they mix all of that in throughout the 11 episodes. Please, God, no. No partner swap. 
And no head to head. Yeah, just no no head to head because they cut half of them anyway and they're always pointless and just aggravating. However, I do have a horrible feeling they are going to put one in just so Phil can keep practicing for Tough as Nails. Maybe that's the only reason why they had it for 30 and 31 was Phil had Tough as Nails in the works, so he just wanted practice with calling play-by-play and challenges. And now that he's had that Roland had a full season of Tough as Nails, he won't have to do that again. Well, granted, Tough as Nails filmed away after season 32, like five years after it. So do you want to eulogize Kelly and Levon? Um, yes, I said to my girls after we finished watching it, I said, see, you don't have to be the most athletic team to go well in the race. They never did well in the race in either episode. Granted, this leg seemed like Mm. a bad taxi impacted a significant amount, but when they're at a task, they never truly excelled at anything. No, but you know, a lot of people... Well, a lot of casuals think that if you know it's the 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 football stars, the athletes, they're the ones that are going to do very well, and it's not always the case. And I I actually like it when stuff like this happens to show people that it's not all about speed and athleticism. Well, the thing is, is that historically on the Mason race, athletes have done very poorly overall. Athletes rarely get to the end of the Amazing race. Absolutely nothing personal against Kelly and Levon, but it was a bit of a relief for a former pro athlete team to go out finally, because there were four of them in the final 10. And they do tend to make a boring season if it's pro athlete teams going far. And lots of pro athlete teams. So it's a bit of a relief when they went just as a pro athlete team. It's like, yeah, at least it's not going to be too dominant. They were the most interesting of the pro athlete teams on this season, though, I would say. Because, mm. you know, they had actual obstacles to overcome the first leg. And also, just for the record, statistically, they are below average for 10th place teams. 10th place teams average 8.47. Um, as an average placement, they got nine and a half over their two legs. Yeah, the athleticism didn't really pan out for them. I mean, the first leg they were, they got a bit of bad luck with a lot of number related tasks. And then this episode, they were hampered by a bad taxi, but overall, they just never had a strong showing except for outrunning the goats. And that's just the way it goes. There's only two legs. It's a relatively small sample size, but that's the way it goes on the Amazing Race. Final question, who do you think is going home next week, if anyone? Oh, if anyone. Yeah, it could be a non-elimination. Because bearing in mind we have three non-elimination legs to get to in the next eight legs. We've got to start having so many else soon. I don't want to say the girls, but it could be the girls. Which ones? Oh, Kaylin and Haley. Not the girls that have been at the top of the leaderboard or the ones who just got eliminated? No. Well, the ones who are eliminated aren't in it next week, obviously. You never know, it could be an elimination <laughs> station. A battle back, whatever they call it in Big Brother. Battle back. Oh, jeez. No, well, I don't think Michelle and Victoria will go out soon. Yeah. They're doing way better than the original Anyone expectations predicted? I had, yes. Because <laughs> I think we had them as very early boots, as did Racers Recap. Don't really care about anyone else's opinions. So they are vastly defying everyone's expectations who who matter because they still behave like a team that you would expect would suck at the race 
And then each week it's like, no, they still did really well at that task and that task and they get a good taxi driver and yeah, they're close to the top of the leaderboard both times. I think Jerry and Frank could be, in, well, it depends what the task is that they have to do. You know, if dad has to do it, maybe he might not be as good at it. Send them back to the back of the pack. I think Jerry and Frank are in danger as well because we've not seen any of them basically. And we've certainly not seen anything impressive of them. And the fact that the the young the teammate who would do better at Roblox is the one who's done the first two and now they're at a disadvantage, assuming they're at a disadvantage that Jerry now has to do at least one, if not the next two roadblocks yeah. leading up to the next elimination. And they just compared to everyone else, they have done significantly. Well, no, first leg, I guess they checked in, what, fifth place in the first leg? Third, fifth? They were fifth and ninth in the last two legs. Yeah, so even though they did well in the first leg, they just never really made an impression on anybody. No, I feel like their slight spike in airtime this week is probably going to mean they go home next week. Or the week after. Yeah. They could be the type of team that gets last place back-to-back legs. Yeah. Have you got anything else you want to say about this leg? No, I'm all done. I feel good with an hour. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, thank you for listening to our Amazing Race 32 recap. We'll be back next Sunday to recap the third episode. Don't forget you can contact us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram, where we are RTVWarriors, or you can email us and contact at rtvwarriors.com. Logan is on Twitter at LogSuperQuacky. Michelle is Beth3323323. And I am MJ Harmstone. Logan and I will also be back to conclude Vias de Renaissance on Wednesday. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. Peace out and just chill till the next episode. Bye. Muy bueno. Sexy. No?